So, Jen, tell us about your Green Knight recording outfit. My Green Knight? Well, if you are my Instagram friend, you will probably see it before we are even done recording this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You are too, CGI Fox Collins. Well, I have a delightful iridescent green cowboy hat that I have purchased for $19.99 now that I live in the desert. I have somewhat matching. They're supposedly green, but they're kind of a lot of colors. uh, Iridescent, um, fake alligator skin sandals. And then I have this extremely like hoochified faux leather dress made for 21-year-olds, I assume, from Forever 21 that I had to purchase into an extra large to fit into, even though I am a thin person. And I'm ready to discuss the Green Knight. Do you not have have a little green belt, a little green girdle tying Mm, it all together? The green girdle. I do not. My belts are still packed, actually. Mm, So Mm. your head is ripe for chopping. (laughs) I am not invulnerable (laughs) at this time. (laughs) Uh, Should we do like a traditional intro? (laughs) What are these three voices? We are... You should see the other guy. The podcast where we watch a romantic movie of some sort or a movie in which Dev Patel looks really hot and same thing. talk about it. Because what are what's our other our other guy in this scenario? Is it the Green Knight himself, the Lord of the Manor? No, there's like se- he has several um several potential ladies, some in uh spoiler alert dream sequences, others in reality. And other guys you know, as well. He can have one ah, of yes. two Alicia Vikanders. He entertains <laughs> a mouth kiss from one Joel Edgerton. <laughs> By the way, I'm very flattered that you named me after Joel Edgerton on our recording screen today, Samantha. King of Kings, and you are Jen. Thank you for saying my name, and perhaps a third (laughs) name will be said. Sadie. Yes. And I'm Sadie. (laughs) And I'm Sadie. (laughs) I'm Sadie. I just got distracted because my mom texted me and she was like, there's a 50% chance your power is going to go out. And I was like, oh, God. Anyway, we're fine. We're fine. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I'm Sadie. Hi. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm Sadie. Uh, <laughs> and we're talking Please about the Green Knight. The dev. <laughs> <laughs> It's a deep cut. I'll have to go search through the back catalog to find that one. Or maybe Corey can come out of retirement and make some more Sadie Sadie jams. The Green Knight. Corey is an artist of Sadie Knight. jams. <laughs> the long-awaited <laughs> Green Knight that I have waited years for is finally within my grasp. So anyway, Sadie, briefly, before we get into the summary, tell us about your history with Dev Patel? Oh, Jen. (laughs) I (laughs) Because for those of you who don't know, Dev Patel is one of Sadie's all-time top three celebrity crushes, according to not just herself, but a panel of her friends. I, yes. You like whiz to make her a Photoshop gift, bless you. (laughs) Yes, Jen made me a Photoshopped like, I don't even know what to call it, collage of me surrounded by my favorite 
hot celebrities and Dev Patel was one. I love him. I don't think that he gets nearly enough roles as, as he should. Um, he is so fantastic and so attractive and so versatile. I have seen him in not so good movies. I've seen him in great movies. This is one of the great movies in my professional onion. Um, I just love the physicality of him. And yeah, I mean, I've been a Dev Patel fan since the beginning. (laughs) I saw Slumdog Millionaire (laughs) with my parents in theaters. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Him and Frida Pinto on screen at the same time. Bisexual disaster waiting to happen. Is... (laughs) <laughs> is Slumdog the, uh, to borrow a but I'm a cheerleader phrase, the root for like a lot of Gen Zers sexually imprinting on Dev Patel? I mean, <laughs> he's such a baby looking back on it. But yes, absolutely. I think so. He also was in like the first and second, the, the best exotic Marigold Hotel or something. Um, which I also saw, and I feel like that came out just a few years after. So maybe that also, and that was more of like a rom-com-esque thing. I think he was also in Modern Love. He was also in Lion, which I didn't love, but of course I watched because he was in it. Um, yeah, he's been in quite a lot. And uh, and also um, The Personal History of David Copperfield, which was quite good. It came out, well, it was, well, let me tell you. 2020 was supposed to be the year of Dev Patel. And I'm still, I'm mad at 2020 and all the things that happened in it for many reasons. But one of the biggest was what it did to me, which is ripped Dev Patel out of my slimy little bisexual fingers. <laughs> because I was supposed to see the personal history of David Copperfield in theaters that summer. And then immediately after I was supposed to see the green Knight, and that was how it was supposed to be. And I was going to have a big watch party. Didn't happen. But I'm so glad that finally, after a year of postponing over a year, I have finally seen the green Knight. Finally. <laughs> yeah, which was the greater tragedy for the world, really? Three million global deaths or, you know, having to wait slightly longer <laughs> for <laughs> 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 Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> I'm clicking. Well, frankly, <laughs> I'm done. It's hard to say. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! So now, yeah. 2021 instead is the year of Dev Patel. Is the year of Dev Patel? Even Dev though Patel. cruelly, this was um, the first movie I saw in theaters too. Since all of this pandemic nastiness started, I think. Yeah, I Same. think it was the first one I went back to see. Yes, I went to see it with my mom. You saw Godzilla versus Kong alone in the. Oh yeah, you did. Oh, I kind of don't count that experience though, because there was no one else in the movie theater, so it had none of the communal feeling of seeing a movie in theaters. It was just like as if I w- had done it at home with like an IMAX screen. 
in my house somehow. Oh, that's the best yeah. way possible to see a movie, though, when you get the whole theater to yourself, like I did for Magic Mike XXL, which was the greatest movie-going experience of all time. That's the perfect... <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was I, screaming. I mean, as so, I do often okay. when I watch movies, but there was nobody else there to irritate. It was just me at like 11 a.m. watching Magic Mike XXL alone <laughs> in a movie theater I had been dropped off at while everybody else went to see like, what else was that? It was like one of the alien movies like Prometheus or something. And I had like a nice little flask of bourbon and myself oh, yeah. and the cast of Magic Mike. It was fantastic. Anyway, Dev Patel. The Green Knight. I mean, arguably just as horny as Magic Mike XXL. Um <laughs> Anyway, should I should I dive in into a different the way than I expected too? You shall. Yeah. Okay. So I have kind of my loose scribblings. It's there are quite a few key differences between the film and the actual Arthurian legend. So I guess I'll st- just start with that, which is that the Grey Knight is based on an Arthurian legend. It is, I believe, one of the first instances where you see or are introduced to Sir Gawain. Um, In the original poem, he is already a knight when this happens, but in the movie, he is not. So um, anyway, it opens Christmas Eve in Camelot, right? Like it's in the ancient times. And Gawain, played by Dove Patel, wakes up on Christmas morning uh, and is awoken by his lover, right? A prostitute question mark just like a commoner um essel her name is essel played by alicia vicanter and um he is of nobility oh. sidebar and, yes might i interrupt is that how you say her name because i always just called her like americanized ass like alicia so apologies alicia if like your swedish people pronounce it differently oh i have no idea i'm just <laughs> Oh, uh, we could also, both be wrong. Either way, how do you say her last name? <laughs> is it Vikander or Alicia Vilkoder? Like- <laughs> anyway, she is very beautiful and married to Michael Fassbender, and she has two roles in this movie, starting as Essel, as not Ethel like from Riverdale, but like Essel with two S's, as Sadie S- was saying. Uh, so anyway, he wakes up. He's a very sloppy. <laughs> He's, he's, he's late, whatever. He's late. He's late. He's very sloppy. He's just had a night of drinking and revelry and sex. Um, and so he goes to Camelot and he goes to church, I think. Then he goes home and then he goes on Christmas for the Christmas dinner. He goes to um, oh the castle. Another sidebar. Yes. His mother is like the hottest person in the world. One of baby bisexual Jen's roots, actually, from the movie Kama Sutra, A Tale of Love. I am also not certain about how to pronounce her name. Uh, Sarita, it's like Sarita Chowdhury is what it looks like. And I have no idea how that's pronounced, but she is still fine as hell and probably the hottest person in this movie of extremely hot people. Okay, carry on. Yes. And she <laughs> um, plays Morgan Le Fay. So... Gowan is the son of Morgan Le Fay, who is the um, very infamous sorceress um, in a lot of the Arthurian legends. And she is related to Arthur. So Gowan is King Arthur's uncle. 
So that's why he is at the round table. Even though he is not a knight, he doesn't really know what he wants to do with his himself. He hasn't really proved himself. Um, so there's like a double standard, not a double standard, a double entendre between the actual name of the poem, Green Knight, and also the fact that Gowan is a green knight. Like he's a, a new, ah! um, fresh, fresh little baby. Um and he has kind of a heartfelt conversation with his uncle, King Arthur, who is aging in years. And King Arthur is basically saying that, like, you know, I regret not getting to know you. And one day you'll find yourself and et cetera, et cetera. So they're having a nice little Christmas feast. Meanwhile, Morgan Le Fay, yeah, King Arthur's Gowan's like mom, Samantha on this podcast. She's like, or excuse me, he is like, like Samantha, like, I'm so old but you'll do great things someday, young one. You know, like Samantha talking to Sadie is the vibe there. <laughs> I would be delighted if, if Sadie were my nephew. <laughs> I could easily become, that's the only thing stopping us. Anyway, so meanwhile, Gowan's mother is at home with a coven of witches, question mark, and she is cooking up some shit. I don't really know precisely this was not in the original poem i will note um but morgan Le Fay is essentially conjuring something something's happening we flash back to the round table merriment joy all around and then suddenly the door bursts open and this man walks in Except he is like 16 feet tall and he is also made of wood <laughs> and vines. <laughs> and he looks kind of like the green man in a lot of like Celtic and Welsh um, stories, fairy tales. And I'm really glad that they went with this design because in the original, he's just a knight, but he's green. And I feel like that would have leaned very close to the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> Um, so I'm glad that they went more with this Groot-esque uh, styling. But anyway, like he, he brings comes in. peas. Yeah. <laughs> and so, okay, okay, listen up. This is important. This isn't. This lays the groundwork for the whole movie. So the Green Knight steps up, and he's like. Meanwhile, he's carrying a gigantic, terrifying axe, and he's like, "Who wants to play a game?" <laughs> Very Jigsaw-esque. <laughs> Um, and all of the knights are like, hi, did you hear something? I don't know. Like, <laughs> none of them are feeling it. <laughs> and then Gowan looks interested. And then the green knight is like, I have a game, which is that you will take this axe and you will fell me one blow. So just you have one hit on me. If you can get one hit on me, then in one year... You have to go to my house <laughs> and you and then I get to to hit you back, basically. If if you can land a blow on me, who's up for it? And Gowan is like, yeah, bro, I'll do that. I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to find out who I am. I'll fuck you up. And so he gets up and he's like, Well, does anyone have a sword? And no one gives him a sword. And then <laughs> King Arthur gives him Excalibur. And so he takes Excalibur and then the green knight is just like standing there and like not doing anything. And so Gowan is like really confused and he's like, aren't you going to fight me? And the green knight just says nothing. 
And so Gowan, little bisexual idiot that he is, he's like, well, if I just kill him, like just cut his head off, then that will like solve my problem. So he does that. He cuts off the Green Knight's head. It rolls around. And then the Green Knight just stands up, picks his head up, turns to Gowan, and he's like, I'm going to see you at my house in one year. Be ready. (laughs) And then walks out. And jarring moment, I'm sure, for everyone involved. Um, (laughs) And he leaves the axe as well. So Gowan just has to carry his axe around. You know, he just has to bring that with him. So we kind of fast forward a year a little bit where it's kind of hinting that Gowan is not really training the way that he should. He's also really nervous about his impending death and really scared. Like (laughs) fear has kind of gripped him. Um, And so he just kind of fucks around and does nothing for a year. And then a year rolls around. I mean, understandable. A procrastinator. Yeah. We've all been there, except maybe Samantha. <laughs> Capricorn. Gowan is not a Capricorn. He is like the farthest from a Capricorn. So what What do you think Gowan is like? A Libra or a Gemini? He feels very Libra-esque, but uh, we all know I have a well-known <laughs> bias. So but I see, leave it to you I two. say also the Libra-esqueness because Samantha would disapprove heartily of like Gowan's lack of preparation and uh you know his general method of dealing with things but also he's really hot and everybody just like inexplicably loves him and wants to like cradle his face in their hands so that seems fairly libra-esque i i would agree with you i really don't know that much about libras i have one libra friend she's very lovely so i don't know too much about them i would also maybe say cancer because I feel like cancers are kind of crybabies. <laughs> and I feel like Gowan is they also are, But they're also like the moms. I think, well, his mom was probably a Scorpio. I feel like she's also could be a Gemini. Yeah. From what I know of Morgan Le Fay. But anyway, where was I? Arthur so- is a fucking Leo. Anyway. Uh, so he didn't do any preparation whatsoever. But now he's like, oh, man, I've got to do this. But he's like obligated. Yeah. And King Arthur comes and visits him and is basically like, bro, you got to do it. Like, and Gowan is like, oh, I wasn't going to. (laughs) King Arthur's like, bro, you got to do it. (laughs) And so um, he gets ready. Everyone is preparing him, getting his horse ready, his clothing, his supplies. And his mother weaves him this very special magical green girdle, which is like a belt. And... She tells but him like that a sexy no way harm- of saying belt. Yeah. And she tells him that no harm will come to him <laughs> while he wears it. And as an aside, he also has a very lovely cashmere yellow cloak. Very in vogue. <laughs> I was obsessed with that cloak <laughs> the entire time he was on screen. So he leaves. So he has to go to the green chapel, which is a ways away. So he leaves about two weeks or so prior to Christmas because he has to be there on Christmas day one year after the incident. When I was refreshing on Wikipedia today, because I didn't have time to read the whole poem before we recorded, it said that he leaves on all saints day, which is my birthday, November 1st. Ah, 
Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. So I guess he leaves two months early. Um, God. God, the medieval times. Is God. England really that long? Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you really need two weeks to walk across? Samantha. I thought you could traverse England in what, like 40 minutes? Samantha, do you remember how long it took those people in leap year to get across Ireland? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, dare you. Well, fun Fun fact that makes me really bitter towards British people is that from tip to tail, it takes about five and a half hours to get from the very bottom of England up Damn. to the Scottish-English border. And that what? bothers That's me. That's like oh, how long like it takes to get from like well, dry, yeah. the eastern tip of Tennessee to the middle. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel yeah. like British people like, oh England my God. eat up so much real estate in our brains, you know? <laughs> People be like, oh my God, like I had to we drive from We should think like, about Britain it as much to- as we think about Kentucky. <laughs> the p- people would be like, I have to drive from Brighton to Manchester. And like, that's like 20 minutes. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, just one of the oh, many reasons Sadie, why British You reminded me, I saw some. I saw some Twitter thread from someone in the UK who was like, how far can I get on buses in 24 hours? Let's find out. And then it was like a 70 tweet long thread of like taking buses various places. And it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure in 24 hours you can do the whole thing, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's not a big place. I don't know. It depends on if they have like better like public transport than we do in most of the United States. Because I would assume, like, like, if you were in New York or somewhere, yeah, you could bus it across there. They must, right? Because they they have trains and stuff, besides trains that just carry, like, coal everywhere. Yeah. Where was I? Where was I? That's what our trains carry. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Oh, yeah. He's on his journey. Yes, his hero journey. And again, one other note is that in the poem, there really isn't much of anything mentioned in his journey. Um. But in here, it's kind of the main focal point of the movie, right? Like him facing these different trials. I believe that there are three main like scenarios that he encounters. And each of them is kind of unfolded in a chapter. And also as a side note, the like chapter names that pop out on screen, I struggled so hard to read them because it's in that like really old English font. And I... I was having a hard time, but <laughs> like oldie English. Yeah. I yeah. Like, I don't think I took that, that in either. <laughs> um, I did manage to read it like right as it was coming off screen each time, but it was like a mental race <laughs> to the finish line <laughs> to get me to read it. Um, anyway. So, so another first- item for Sadie's hatred of the English. <laughs> so the first trial that he faces is just a fucking little bitch boy <laughs> that he encountered <laughs> um who is like really weird he was also um i don't know if anyone recognizes him but he is he's just a young guy that gowan meets hanging out um on a recently fresh battlefield with tons of like dead bodies and he just gives off weird fucking vibes and he is played by the same actor who um, played a extremely creepy teenager in Yorgos Lanthimos's Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I don't know if anyone, mm. um, I don't know if either of you have seen that movie, but very 
weird energy that this actor can can bring to a movie. Um, I applaud this part him. was very like. <laughs> It was very like something that would happen in the video game The Witcher 3 to me, except in The Witcher 3, probably you would be able to kick his ass instead of how it went in the movie. Yeah, he he basically like follows Gowan around across the battlefield. Gowan is on his horse. He is not interested in really talking to this little um, scrappy fellow who lies i'm pretty sure and is like yeah i have like a couple brothers out here like i don't know i don't know people in in medieval times really just were on a whole other level like i don't know that for certain but i feel like a lot of them were bringing the energy <laughs> that this man was bringing um which is unsettling like and you scary. gotta be a bandit to survive like you know yeah. don't trust anybody don't wear your best yellow cape out adventuring gowan yeah. Uh, to be fair, Gowan was tricked. Like, out. Not to victim like, blame there. Like, <laughs> like he looked. He looked incredibly rich. Um, and so he's walking, and the guy is like, "For a dollar, I'll tell you where the Green Chapel is. Like, I'm very familiar with it. I know exactly where it is. It's right. It's that way." And so Gowan gives him some money and goes on his journey. Spoiler alert: He did lead him directly into a trap. And it turns out that this guy is like the leader of this band of thieves and they attack Gowan. They tie him up for dead, beat the shit out of him and they steal his horse, most of his shit and the green knight's ax. Right. So kind of everything that Gowan needs in order to continue on this journey. And also I think they take. Oh his yeah. And belt. his like girdle of protection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, take everything from him. So Gowan struggles. There's a brief scene where it looks like Gowan dies. Um, like it just shows his bones. And I think that that is showing like what Gowan was fearing to happen, what he imagined would happen. Um, but he manages to free himself. And so he goes off on his he continues on his little hero's journey except he is very much broke and without all the things that he needs including his horse and after a very struggle <laughs> a very struggling day um he finds this abandoned cottage and so this enters into the second trial so he enters into this cabin cottage thing it's late at night Obviously well abandoned. It has not been inhabited for a long time. He goes upstairs and there's a lone little bed. He lays in it, goes to sleep. He wakes up in the middle of the night and this woman is standing at the foot of the bed. And she's like, bro, what are you doing in my bed? And he's like, oh shit, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so he gets up. He's like, I'll leave, I'll leave. And she's like, wait, no, you know what? I really thought this part was going to go like fanfic for a minute. Like, what are you doing (laughs) in my bed? There's only one bed. But unfortunately, it was like very nightly and mythological. Instead of, you know, just getting straight to the... (laughs) So she reveals that she um, is a ghost and she's like, Hey, can you help me find my head, bro? Like do me a solid. Um, And she is the ghost of Winifred who is a Welsh virgin martyr. That's who she's based off of St. Winifred. Um, 
And this is another thing that is not mentioned in the original poem, but this is a very common occurrence of like, you know, like lady ghosts, St. Winifred appears a few times, I believe in some Arthurian legends, maybe not, but like this kind of like lady of the lake energy is in a lot of Arthurian legends. So I thought it was very cool that they added it here. Um, and she goes out onto the lake. She goes out to the lake in front of the cottage and she shows him. She's like, my head's in there. This guy came and he tried to fuck with me and I told him no and he cut my head off. And it's now separate from the rest of my body and so I can't find peace. Can you please dive in and get it? So he does. He dives in. Very beautiful scene. Very reminiscent of oh, um, first Wasteland like- Baby. From Hosier. <laughs> oh, that's an amazing comparison, Sadie. I was getting, first he is like though, in keeping sort of with his his ways in this movie, he's like, Well, what will you give me for it? And Ghost Lady is like, Are you fucking serious, bro? Like, I am a ghost lady who just gave you a quest, and aren't you supposed to be a knight? And he's like, God, I've got to do it. And then he yeah. dives into the beautiful scene. That really, I would like to have like a still of that scene, like printed on my wall. It was glorious. And one of my favorite parts of the movie. I'm sure A24 can sell you like a $300 (laughs) lithograph of it in a couple of months that all the cool kids of the internet will drool over. (laughs) You know, that ain't my budget. I wouldn't pay $19.99 to restream this again. (laughs) um, However, if someone wants to gift this to me, I'm open. On um, A24's website, they have a series of like three sexy Gowan posters that you can download Mm. for free. And it Ah. reminds me a lot of like, like what I imagine the pullout magazine pages were from like the Ella Enchanted universe, where it's like hot Sir Gowan exclusive (laughs) interview. (laughs) So those are... (laughs) Those may satisfy your need. I do have them downloaded and I am getting them printed off as we speak. They're on the way. Um, But regardless. Okay. So he's in the lake. He finds her little skull. He gets out. She's gone. He goes back into the cottage and he goes up back to her bed and he sees her skeleton is laid out on the bed um, with the skull missing. It's very sad. You know, it's like, damn, like she was just minding her own business and some guy came and chopped her head off. And so he puts her little skull back onto her body. And then my memory is fuzzy here, but I think he just immediately wakes up the next day and he looks around and she has left the ax for him. I'm not really sure how she got the ax from the thief, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I was thinking like maybe the thief was the person that cut her head off, but also she, it was a skull. Like it had to have been quite a while. Um, So I'm not sure. And also it was like dusty. I mean, maybe that pond, maybe there's like some serious fish in that pond that like really (laughs) like skeletonized that skull quickly. (laughs) So anyway, he has I mean, piranhas don't live in England, but Sorry, Sadie. Um, So he takes his axe and he goes on his merry little way. And I think at this point he meets a fox who kind of comes along with him on his journey. So it's literally just him 
and this fox against the world. <laughs> and he's really- I would like, also I mean, like he, to interject. I'm interjecting a lot into Sadie's summary. She said that she would appreciate our helps filling in the gaps, which like she really doesn't need because she's got this. But at this point in the movie, which I went to watch with my mother, it was the only time my mom spoke to me in the movie. And she leaned over and whispered loudly into my ear, I know the fox talks. I watched the preview and I know that much. So <laughs> that's our that's, foreshadowing that's about the fox from my mother. <laughs> so much like the fox itself, your mom talked once in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the parallels. Astounding. Yeah, so, like, at this point, he is going through it. Like, he is fucked up. Like, his little yellow cashmere quilt cloak is no longer yellow. It's, like, brown. And he is so cold and gross. And he tries eating mushrooms, and it causes him to vomit. Um, And it is at this point where I believe he's tripping on mushrooms, but also this could just be how medieval England was. Um, There is a troop of gigantic, well, female giants, like huge, like titans, just like walking through the landscape. And they look at him and he's like, hey, can I hitch a ride? And they're like, politely, (laughs) no, thank you. (laughs) So he keeps going on. How about I fucking squish you? I mean, bold of him to have asked that, I would have been like, huh, those are giants. I'm going to leave them be because they're huge. Um, But anyway, he is so tired at this point and he comes close to this like hall, something, this gigantic manor. And this is the third and final big trial is the manor uh, with the very desperate Polly couple (laughs) waiting for him. Uh, spoilers. So he and like shows up at this manor. Old lady, old silent chaperone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. So he kind of collapses at this manor and then he wakes up the next day and he's in this luxurious teal bedsheet situation in this very lovely, nice manor. And he comes down to dinner or, or lunch, something. In any case, he meets the lord and lady of the house. And the lord explains that one, he knows who he is. Everyone in Britain knows who he is. Number two, he is actually very close to the Green Chapel. He's made it, basically. And that he is free to stay here for like two to three days. And Gowan is like, no, 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 no. I gotta leave right now. Thank you for your hospitality. And the lord is like, um, respectfully, no. And he explains, he's like, I promise you, I promise you, it's only like a day away. Just stay here, rest up. I'm going to go and I'm going to hunt you like a gigantic stag free of charge. You just lay here. You just kick back and hang out with my wife. <laughs> and Cowan is like, okay. <laughs> hang out with my so wife. He, Everything's going to yeah. be chill, bro. Give me what you got. <laughs> and so um, the Lord goes off to do something and Gowan is left alone with the wife and the wife is acting. The wife is also played by Alicia uh, Vicanter, the same woman who played Essel. Um, 
And oh, I forgot to mention this, but, like, but there's now- a brief scene where Essel um, had given him a little oh, yeah. bell and she was basically asking him if they could be like official when he got back and like if she could be his lady and he kind of was like not really giving her a clear answer because i think that he does love her but also she's like poor so he doesn't feel like that you know what i mean you know how it is you know how it'd be with the royalty if it were bachelor in paradise he would be like I'm just trying to keep my options open. It's what we came here for. I'm really like mm. flattered and maybe Samantha we'll keep exploring this feelings asshole, about but- Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> so also, yeah, yeah when he- Essel was like, Will you make me your lady? He was like, eh, I gotta go. <laughs> Yeah, so Shrek. Really did you feeling. watch Shrek, Chad? <laughs> That's how Essel said, "Lady, <laughs> be my lady." Will she said make it me like a donkey. Like she said it like L E H hyphen D A Y, like lady. <laughs> anyway, that's just on me noticing Alicia Vikander's acting. So as Essel before she is the lady, the the lady. He's technically (laughs) got a woman at home, but there's also this woman that looks exactly like his girlfriend also here. And she has this big library and she gives him like this really expensive. Yes. Like really. I mean, like this is a desirable library for like the 21st century. Um, and she gives him this really fancy book. And he's like, oh, no, I couldn't. And she's like, I fucking insist. Take this luxurious book that I'm giving you. Fuck you. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then later <laughs> at dinner, he's sitting with the lady and the Lord. And I'll be honest, I enjoyed this scene greatly. I completely spaced out, though, because it's just him the Lord, played by Joel Edgerton, the lady, and then their blind old friend <laughs> was just there the whole time <laughs> um, and never says a word. And and the lady just starts talking for like 10 minutes of the movie. And I loved every second of it, but I could not tell you any of what she's talking about. If anyone would like to fill me in on what she was saying, if anyone remembers. I, oh, she did that whole, she did this wild monologue about the color green, which like I was super into this part of the movie, but it was like, uh, oh yeah, it, it all wrapped back around to being about nature and being excited about that. Like she was super horned up also in this delivery in front of her husband and the old friend uh, about like fresh new green like you know or like going for like the fresh new blood who had just come in going for red but then green arrives to take it all over basically this whole thing about like nature reclaiming everything and we're all gonna be fucking like dead and she wants to fuck gowan basically was the gist which is relatable so anyway that (laughs) meal happens and also i think at this point the Lord is like, hey, I'm going to go and get that stag for you that I promised. Uh, but while I'm gone, anything that you do to my wife, I will also do to you. 
And he's oh, like, except oh, okay. instead of I will do to you, that that was from that Renee Zellweger movie we watched, that line. Instead, he's like, anything that you get from my wife, you will give to me is oh, kind of okay, okay, okay. more the vibe. You know, instead of like a taking, it's like, hey, bud, I'm going to bring you like anything I find in the forest and you better fucking turn up whatever you get around here. And Gowan's like, what the fuck? What am I going to get here? I'm just like sleeping. And he is like, oh, you're going to give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which this part is in the book and or in the poem. And it does feel (laughs) equally as homoerotic as it was depicted in the movie. (laughs) Um, So that's that. It was like so homoerotic in the poem. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The next day he wakes up And I'm not going to pussyfoot around it. (laughs) The lady comes into the room and she has his fucking belt. And he's like, hey, that's my belt. And she's like, no, it's my belt. I made it. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Um, Just immediately is like, okay, cool. You know, that's definitely his belt that his mom made him. And then there's some weird stuff going on. And... She's like, do you want to fuck me, basically? And he's like, ah, oh, did I? And she's like, you do. And then she jerks him off and he comes onto his belt, the, the green girl. Wait, 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 wait. And scroll back here. Sadie is blowing right past the best scene of the what? movie. The most erotic part where she makes that pinhole camera photo of him and like everything is dripping with moisture and like Dev Patel is just standing there in the best lighting of all time where she's like, hold very still. And then like goes behind to like close off the little pinhole. And then it's all like shows all these scenes of like water dripping down hands. And then he's like, Oh my God, I like, I think I better go back to my room. And then it's like the next day. And then she comes in and like gives him like such a good hand job that he like blows it all over the belt. Did your <laughs> theaters apologies. have an audible reaction to the girdle? Um, the girdle getting sprinkled, shall we say? I think it was I was the silent. person who made the audible reaction in my theater. <laughs> dead silent (laughs) there was at least kind of like a hushed gasp in my in my little long island cinema when i saw it everyone was just taking it that was like and yeah like i i wasn't really expecting it i was sort of like what are they doing down there like is she putting the belt on him or because like but no i in my uh in my Dev Patel circles, did know about the cum shot, the Gowan cum shot, but I did not know <laughs> when it was happening. And so the whole movie, I was on the edge of my fucking seat waiting <laughs> and and both in equal parts waiting and dreading the scene. And anyway, so I would love if it had happened in the first five minutes, like his mom gives him the girdle and then he had just immediately <laughs> takes it and checks off. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more of just like an immediate, like spontaneous reaction, not even that he jacked onto it. Like, which I, I was still a little confused. Okay. Was she like actually was like Alicia Vikander like as the the lady like giving him a hand job or was she just like putting the belt on him and he was like this is so erotic that like oof 
Like, <laughs> uh, I thought she was kind of pl- holding the belt hostage a little bit, unless yeah, like, he put unless out. Unless he, ah, that's the, yeah. But that makes more sense, like, when, with the poem. But then when it happened, she immediately call- was like, you're no knight. I can't believe that. And he kind of panics because he realizes what he's done. Well, um, he didn't get her off first, so... Not very nightly there. Yeah, yeah. He's sexually satisfying neither Alicia Vikander in this movie. <laughs> Damn. I feel like maybe Damn she's he's doing a decent job with Essel. But I mean, she wants to be mm. his lady. His lady. I feel like every time she approaches him about reciprocating, he's like, Yeah, cool. I just like have this other thing. Like, sorry, I've got to like run to the other side of town. It's this thing for my mom. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Next time, though, Essel, definitely. <laughs> when, so, when I marry okay. you and you're rich, Essel. <laughs> so he leaves in a panic. He has the girdle. Uh, the blind woman was watching all of this happen, by the way, which is wild. Um, so he runs out of the house and he runs into the Lord and the Lord has the stag and he's like leaving so soon. And Gowan is like, yeah, bro, I <laughs> this is a lot. I got to go. And I don't entirely know how it happens, but basically the Lord is like, well, first, are you sure there's nothing that you want to give me? And Gowan is like, like what? And then the Lord leans down and full on smacks him on the lips with his lips. And then he sits back up and he's like, oh, by the way, I also caught your fox. Here it is. And he's like, peace. And then goes back to his house. (laughs) And I'm sure that the Lord was hoping for more. And maybe if Gowan wasn't, in the throes of a panic and also potentially going to die in like a day. Um, he might've also been into it as well, but as it stands, he was like, okay, thank you. Yeah, That was the part. Well, we'll discuss, we'll discuss it. Yes. He was kind of running out on it instead of like offering up the smooch, but Joel Edgerton King that he is made it a hot scene anyway. Yeah. So Joel Edgerton could kiss a tree and it would be a compelling piece of cinema. And when he kisses a Dev Patel, it was compelling cinema. It was. It's compelling. <laughs> so he goes with the fox to like the edge of the stream and he's getting very, very close to the Green Chapel. Um, and he's gonna board this little boat that has kind of suddenly appeared. But then suddenly the fox stops him. And in a very creepy man voice, the fox is like don't do it, bro. And Gowan is like, what do you mean? And the fox is like, it's not going to end well. Just don't do it. I, he's like, just don't do it. And then Gowan is like, fuck off. And like tries to kick it. And then he gets into the boat and then goes off. So I don't really know what the fox, what the fox's motives are. I don't know if he secretly is working for the Green Knight and was kind of trying to make this like a final trial. That's what I assume, but I, I don't know. Or maybe the fox was just like a guy chilling. Fox is just a free radical, you know? He's just <laughs> a sly little dude, just uh, there to there to watch the chaos happen. I felt like He's fox was like for the green nature speaking up. For like, <laughs> like, keep, <laughs> like keep living, like don't do this nightly bullshit and go die. But Gowan's like... I mean, man, I don't want to, but it's kind of weird that you're talking Fox and I gotta. 
And so Gowan arrives at the Green Chapel basically a day early, so December 24th. And he has his axe with him, and he sits at the foot of the Green Knight's throne, where the Green Knight is is sitting there, and he's just sleeping. So it's this kind of beautiful, overgrown little chapel-type thing. It's very tiny. It has the Green Knight sitting on his throne, and he has been slumbering, presumably, for 364 days. And because Gowan is early, he just kind of sits there and waits. And there's one scene in the middle of the night when Gowan is waiting where the Green Knight, like, cracks open his eye for just a little bit and then quickly (laughs) goes back to sleep. And so he wakes up and the Green Knight wakes up, Gowan wakes up, and the Green Knight's like, oh, cool, you showed up, give me my axe. And remind you, Gowan does have the green belt on that is supposed to protect him from harm. And so he stands there and then he gets on his knees and the green knight raises up the ax in a head cutting fashion. And Gowan flinches away and he's like, wait, 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 no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I just, he's like, just let me collect myself. Just let me collect. And so this goes on for like three or four times. And on like the fourth time when the green knight is about to, just chop his head off. Gowan is like, you know what? I can't do this. And he leaves. So he runs out of the chapel and his horse is like magically waiting for him there. The horse that he lost at the beginning. And he's like, oh, thank God. So I'm going to very quickly kind of breeze through this next part, this after the green chapel. So Gowan decided not to go through with the with the game. So he didn't finish the game and he is run off. So he goes back to Camelot is lauded as a hero for surviving. And he, it is assumed, takes the throne from King Arthur. And then there's another scene where he is standing beside Essel as she is giving birth to his son. And it's kind of assumed that they are together and she's giving birth, you know, whatever. But then the knights she's his lady. come in and... And absolutely not. The knights come in, they take the baby fresh from Ethel, and then they just like toss like a coin onto her and then everyone leaves. And Gowan does not even look back and they just kind of leave her. It was super fucked up. Like Ethel yeah. is like crawling along the floor for her baby and they're all like, bye, bitch. For yeah. her baby. <laughs> for her baby. I- I'm just a lady looking for my baby. <laughs> And um, the, he then marries. I feel bad a, having that scene in my mind and laughing at the same time. God. It is very sad. It is very sad um, and heartbreaking. Honestly, this was the point of the movie where I was like, "Fuck this! Fuck a twenty-four! How dare they!" Um, and so he he does end up getting married to a lady. Um, another woman, a rich princess, whatever, from a neighboring kingdom who he doesn't particularly love. And he, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but when King Arthur dies, he uh, succeeds and he takes the throne and he becomes the new king of Camelot. And his wife, so he raises his son from Essel, his bastard child, and then he has a younger child with the new lady. And He's just kind of like a cowardly bad king. Like it's implied that there's wars that are happening and like 
there's also a very sad scene where he's out on the battlefield and he's running into like a medical tent and he, his teenage son was like in the war and he like dies. So his and Essel's child dies. And then fast forward a couple more years, it's just very bleak. Everyone has left him. The siege of Camelot by neighboring arm, you know, enemy forces are about to break in um, and everyone has left him and he, has never taken off the the belt the entire time that he's been like ever since the green chapel, he's never taken it off. And so he does take it off and it's like gross and it's kind of like fused with his skin. And then as soon as he takes it off, his head comes off and like rolls on the ground. But then we go back to the green chapel. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> and that is the end of the movie. No. <laughs> Boo, Samantha. No. So then you kind of like, whoa, it's kind of like a Breaking Dawn part two moment. And you realize that this is Gowan, like, imagining his future. What? It's true. It's exactly the same. I mean, no no tea, no shade, but A24 really stole. I think Samantha's groan was because how true it was. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. And also, I'm just sad that it's the easiest thing to do to invoke a Twilight movie and talking about an actually well-constructed fable. Yeah. Twilight Um, got there first, baby. Yeah, so it becomes apparent that this is really kind of what Gowan was imagining if he had let fear, if he were to let fear kind of take over and control him let fear get the best of him, I guess. And so he's standing, the green knight has his, you know, ax above him. And Gowan is like, wait, no, 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 no. Before we do this. And then he takes off the belt, right? Which is kind of like the last scrap of cowardliness, you know? He and like Gowan is like, I'm throws ready. his jizz on the ground. Hey, yeah, it would not have been washed, huh? <laughs> it would not have been washed. Um, <laughs> Did ooh. he kind of like... Sponge it off on the bedclothes, do you think? Or was it just like crusty? No. <laughs> yeah, it was crusty. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Gowan is like, okay, I'm ready now. I have I have finally found courage. And then the Green Knight gets down eye level with him. And he's like, aw, okay, damn, that's so cute. And then he just like takes his finger and like kind of quote unquote cuts it across Gowan's throat and he's like there that's it like that's all that the knight the green knight wanted was to see gowan kind of own up to and complete the game with like no contingencies no safeguards nothing um and yeah and then that's it and then yeah i think that that is the end of the movie but then there's a post credit scene that i did not fucking see oh yeah i did not see it either they should have put it a little sooner because i sat there for a while marshalling yeah. my family out of the theater and wait was that happened. just the part where the the little girl goes in and finds the crown on the ground and starts playing with it yeah yeah okay yeah i i watched that part and then i was like what and then Which i took mom and to i mean left that that was like gowan's successor his daughter in like the better timeline kind of Maybe 
I feel like that because I imagine I was interested. I mean, maybe I'm just too rosy colored glasses type of person, but I imagine that once Gowan saw that like cowardly way out because he's, he's a coward in running away from the green knight. He's a coward in wearing the green girdle while facing the green knight. And then that kind of follows him in making several other cowardly actions throughout his life, which is number one, not telling the truth about the fact that he ran away from the green knight rather than facing him. And also being a coward in not marrying Essel and being with her because that's the person that he really did love and she deserves that. Um, And also it's implied that he's a coward in like the battlefield and like strategy and it kind of blows back against him and he ends up in like a full-fledged war that he doesn't know how to handle. And it all kind of like comes to a head and eventually he just ruins his whole life. And so I like to think that after seeing that happen, And then the Green Knight kind of just doing the gentle little like, gotcha. That was the Green Knight being like, okay, so this guy is like good now. He's worthy of surviving this challenge. And then Gowan will then go back home, become a full-fledged knight of the round table, be brave enough to marry Essel, and then live a more kind of courageous life and go on and do the other Arthurian legends that Gowan is like known to do, right? Like, he'll have some more respect for the color green now. God damn it. Put some respect on that color. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I just now looked at how long we've been recording, and we just got done with the summary. But this is a movie we have been – Sadie, particularly, has been waiting to talk about for a long time. So I hope you all are ready to settle in for a long episode. Yeah, I saw this in theaters when it came out, which must be – was that a month ago now? Yeah, that was a few weeks ago because I went to see it, gosh, what like a week before we moved, I guess. Would that have been? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was in Long Feels Island like <laughs> visiting um, Corey's side of our family, and there were four of us who wanted to see a movie, me, Corey, uh, my father-in-law, Tim, and um, Corey's sister, and the battle lines were drawn because Corey and her dad wanted to see Stillwater, the Matt Damon, Amanda Knox story. (laughs) And uh, Corey's sister and I were team Green Knight. And I, much like the sneaky little selfish protagonist of this movie, (laughs) uh, managed to get us to see the Green Knight by being like, yeah, we'll see Stillwater tomorrow. Um, Mm. And then we never saw Stillwater. You guys could have just like split up like I did with my party when I needed to see Magic Mike XXL alone. Yeah, I proposed that. (laughs) That was my first tactic. Um, Found this movie deeply relatable. Uh, But uh, my favorite thing about it was I sort of have take a perverse delight in taking my father-in-law to see things that I know are going to be kind of weird. Like we took him to see Sorry to Bother You like three years ago. Oh my God. (laughs) And and he he walked out of that and was like, what the fuck was that? And then never said another word. Okay. And he had a similar reaction to The Green Knight. We got out of the theater and he just went, wow, what the fuck? I have never, unfortunately, I have not yet had the good fortune of meeting Corey's esteemed father. 
but he is an icon, right? Like knowing about this, this is a man like who literally like Corey is unafraid to go into any gas station because Corey's dad is one of those guys who likes to hang out at the gas station and shoot the shit with like everybody pumping their gas. And like Corey got him an electric kettle because he just likes to have boiling water in the house at all times. And he like fell asleep and boiled too many pots down. So she was like, dad, you've got to have an electric kettle. And thinking about this man going to see both sorry to bother you and the green Knight with Samantha <laughs> is just amazing. <laughs> Nothing compares though, to trying to show him the first episode of the Netflix sketch comedy show. I think you should leave over the course of which he became visibly irate with me. And then <laughs> And then brought it up the next day of like, I can't believe you tried to show me that shit. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why would you show me that? Like, I'm kind of with him on that one. I love you, Samantha, but I think you should leave makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I can't believe you did that to Corey's dad. <laughs> anyway, but um, The Green Knight, great movie, great subversion of the hero's journey. I love that he is just kind of like, uh, like he's not, he's not bad. He's not good. He's just kind of like the normal human level of selfish going through this or thing. And in that sense, it's his performance is really like what the movie hinges on. It's so compelling to watch him like navigate this, this task that's the subject of heroic medieval poetry, but the movie kind of undercuts it by making him just this selfish little prick who <laughs> gets by on like how fucking hot he is. <laughs> and I loved it. I was oh. worried it would be kind of like em- empty, sterile A24 where it's just like, look, we have good cinematography. You want a movie too? Yeah. No, fuck you. Uh, look at our pretty pictures, but it, it held together for me. Okay. Like the Dev Patel casting really made like the, like coasting on his own hotness, but like it's perfect being completely aware of his own hotness, like that balance of those two levels really worked because Dev Patel actually is a person who is super hot, but still doesn't quite believe or realize that he's super hot. So it works, you know, it's like he accepts the benefits without like completely being cognizant of what he's doing. He's not like, you know, Brad Pitt and fight club where like he knows how hot he is. And so yeah. that worked in a way that like, cause usually if they had cast, if this had been like Alfie Allen, it would have been like the most pathetic movie of all time. Like, no offense, Alfie Allen. You also were a great actor, younger brother of Lily Allen. But you know what I mean? Like, you needed, like, a super hot person, but not a person who was, like, aware of the ability to manipulate their own hotness to play it the way this movie did. I completely agree with you, Jen. Like, that he, and also Samantha, I agree with you, of course, as well. Like, he is kind of just, like, a little fuckboy. You know, at the start. And again, like going back to like the double meaning of the title, which is like both a direct connection to the poem, but also that Gowan is like a green knight. Like he's new to all of this. Prior to this trial, he never really like 
accepted a lot of responsibility. He didn't really have anything to kind of prove himself, which I think is why his mother, Morgan Le Fay, orchestrated this was so that her son would be forced to kind of come to terms with himself and become courageous, like kind of forcing him, forcing his hand. Because you can see in the very beginning scene where he first, where we are first introduced to Gowan's mother, she is visibly uh, irritated with him because he's been out all night (laughs) at like brothels and like, pubs and everything and i think at this point she was like you know what i'm gonna send you into a year-long tailspin and you are gonna come out the other side a brave and courageous knight <laughs> or or so or so help me <laughs> or yeah. i went to all the trouble to have this fucking hot son and this is what yeah. he's doing with it yeah. like good god like <laughs> sometimes mother needs to step in a little without him knowing about it did she plan out the cum girdle part, though? Because I have questions. I mean, I hope uh, not, absolutely. but again, if you guys just watch Kama Sutra, A Tale of Love, which I have recommended multiple times on this podcast, and eventually we should cover here because there are definite other guy options. But isn't it sad? I think that it's like, no it spoilers. follows. Uh if you turn it off like um, about 15, 20 minutes before the end, it's not sad. Well, it's still a little sad, but it's not Thanks. super sad, Sadie. <laughs> but it's so gorgeous. Oh, it's so gorgeous. If you turn off Titanic half an hour in, it's just a fun movie about people on a boat <laughs> drawing so each other. My brother and I used to have um, on VHS like the double VHS set of the Ten Commandments starring Charlton Heston when we were kids because it took two VHS tapes to put the whole movie on there. And we just watched the whole, the the first tape over and over again where like Yul Brenner as Ramses was like the fucking man. And we just like refused to acknowledge Moses's whole arc after that. Wait, that, yeah, that was Moses. <laughs> You know what else we had like, to be on you, Moses. <laughs> You know we're what else had to be Ramses. on What else took two VHS tapes? The Ten Commandments themselves. God had to put them ah. on on two because they wouldn't fit on one. And my brother and I apparently were only interested in the first one. So I don't know what's the first on the five name. commandments. Honor your your God and your father and mother and don't lie. Wait, oh don't murder this- is before don't lie. Um, what's the order of the Ten Commandments again? Oh my God! It gets like you know. I feel like your <laughs> brand of Christianity was more into the Ten Commandments, and Mormons are more into these things called the Articles of Faith. So, mm. uh, I mean, I used to have them all super memorized. Like I was the killer at Bible drills at like at church camp, you know, because I'm good at memorizing things like on the fly. But then I forget them immediately afterwards, and that is the real superpower. Bible drill. Well, thank God we've both escaped <laughs> faith groups. And thank God for you, Sadie, not ha- ever having gone through religious-based trauma in your I life. I know only thou shall not kill. And I mean, that's all I need to know, right? <laughs> that's a good one. That's solid. Like that. I think that you're going to have a good life if you just stick with that one. 
<laughs> yeah, if that's you it. had to pick one, <laughs> if you had to pick one commandment, that's probably the best one to follow in terms of like maintaining the social order. Um, I speak and speaking of death, I found that the movie uh, was really resonant because it's sort of about like him just kind of clinging to mortality and he has to learn at the end to not cling to it as symbolized by throwing the girdle away. And um, it it resonates with me as someone born with a congenital heart defect that requires me to, you know, go get tests every year to see how the old ticker is doing. It's like, it's easy for me to be in the mindset of just like, I'm going to be a selfish little grub and like, um, you know, uh, have as much of my life as possible and never experience things. And you don't really live if you let fears of your own mortality, like cloud your mind at all times. And I, so I, I, I just really liked kind of the message of it at the end, I suppose. Um, the symbolic, the symbolism of him, kind of throwing the belt on the ground and just accepting what would happen. Yeah. Like, and also the scene where he, it's kind of like he's tied up after the thieves get him. And there's kind of this like panoramic kind of 360 shot where it scans away from him. And then when it comes back, he's just like a pile of bones and then it scans back and he's back to himself I think that that was also a scene showing just how terrified he is of his own mortality or like of dying that like, I I imagine him just like lying there and imagining that happening, like him succumbing and then his remains just kind of being left there. And I think that that is what kind of shakes him awake and allows him to like fight and like get free. And then the next big trial where he is confronted with this one girl who is a ghost who has died and he has to kind of confront mortality again when he goes down and he like picks up her skull and it's kind of like this really scary scene like the water's really deep and red and like spooky you know and he gives her her head back it was kind of like coming close to like the afterlife and kind of having a connection with this otherworldly undead person or i guess dead person um but you're so right god it's so good joel edgerton Culp, how did how did it strike you mm, like the entire movie overall or like yeah. specifically <clears throat> okay well i was in such a flux of a time um seeing this and I was really desperate to try to do something. My mom and I lived in neighboring cities, right? In Tennessee for such a long time. And pre-pandemic, she loved to go on mother-daughter movie dates. And when my sister-in-law, who now lives in Seoul, also lived here, we would all three go together. So I really, really wanted to try to make a movie date happen again before I left. And this movie was very heavily... um, you know, advertised in air quotes to me via Twitter as hot bisexual Dev Patel movie of, you know, Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. So I was like, mom, this is what we're going to see. We're going to, and (laughs) I had to read um, the poem back like 800 million years ago when I was in college 
So it surprised me because I was expecting a very different tone. Um, I don't remember the poem incredibly well um, because it's been a long time now and I haven't touched base again because I tend to be a little bit of a pedant about um, book to movie adaptations if I have revisited the book too recently beforehand, you know, so I did it. But I still thought that Gowan was going to be more of like a firebrand, you know, kind of in the poem, he was sort of like, like, no way, let me do it, uncle. Like, I'm the scrappy dude here to prove myself. And then he like thinks he's done something real slick with the Green Knight by like, land one blow on me and then I'll land the same blow on you. And he's like, oh, I took his whole fucking head off. What you going to do about that? And then the Green Knight just gets up and is like, okay, see you next year, bud. And so I was surprised by Gowan being presented as a very understandable, very uh, relatable human coward, (laughs) you know, that was not what I was expecting at all. Um, So I didn't dislike it on seeing it, but it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. It just wasn't what I had been expecting to see. Obviously, it was very, very beautiful As Sadie mentioned, that scene where he dives down to retrieve the skull from the pond is just like, oh, and the giants who like when he gets the attention of the giantess lady and he's kind of like thinking it could be to his benefit. And then he immediately is like, oh, no, you're going to kill me when like she reaches out like she's going to tap him on the head or squish him like a bug or something, you know. And I did have a little bit of beef uh, with Although I I fairly recognize that it was much more in keeping with the way the movie was and the movie that was made here, where Gowan tried to run away instead of freely giving the lord of the castle his kiss, Uh, you know? I kind of wanted that to be a little more consensually about you. Wow, wow. But the movie, the imagery has really stuck with me, and I still have not reread the poem I pulled it up and downloaded it on my phone because I I wanted to check it out, but I was waiting to talk about it first because I'm trying to consider the movie on its own terms. And it, I guess that's what I, you know, a lot of times I, I, you know, in, in my callow youth, I, uh, no offense to Sadie, this is my own personal callow youth, which is like always ongoing, like until my deathbed. Um, I used to be more apt to, be upset with anything that didn't correspond to my expectations going in and thus dislike it. But I do now- <laughs> think that I really liked this. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> as does that, someone does that make who sense? was ready to burn a 24 down in the part where they were making Gowan just like a terrible person, like the asshole scene where she was giving birth and he leaves. I was like, fuck oh. you. How dare you? How dare you do this? That was Gawain is a good person. That was actually Essel deserves that better. was the worst scene in the movie when he walked away. Yeah. Because at first I was like, because obviously, right, like uh, good old times with my mom, I snuck a beer into the theater, and so I was all like, "Woo!" for a while in the middle, and then at the end there, I was like, "Wait, did he actually make her his lady? Wait, why is her hair still short?" Wait, why are they being, wait, wait, why why are they taking the baby? What is, why did he leave right now? And I was like dramatically reacting to that part. Oh, they made him despicable right there. And so that's why you shouldn't chicken out and run away from having your head chopped off because (laughs) 
nobody, well, maybe some people want to be that, but nobody should be that. That was horrible. God. You know what? I'm going to do the worst thing in the world (laughs) that both of you is going to hate me for. And I'm going to make a direct comparison to Cars, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's not Twilight or Shrek. I mean, I don't hate you for it, but I've never seen Cars. If you compare well, it to okay. Shrek, I'm, well, Samantha was the one to compare it to Shrek. Excuse me. Well, she <laughs> accused me of comparing it to Shrek. But it was Alicia Vikander who said, Lady. Lady. Uh, Sadie, onward <laughs> with Carry your on, Sadie. comparison. <laughs> well, if you are unfamiliar with the entire premise of Cars, um, Lightning McQueen, played by Owen Wilson. I'll be very quick with this. Um <laughs> He is kind of a hot shot, also kind of a coward, et cetera, et cetera. Very similar to Gowan. Um, And he accidentally gets lost on his way to kind of like a, a gold cup thing, whatever. And he ends up in a small town in the middle of nowhere. And he kind of fucks up their town. And so they like arrest him, basically. And... There's a part where they were like, once you fix up the town, then you can go free. But he like goes so fast and like tries to get it done in like 10 minutes that he does such a shitty job that it actually makes the town worse. And they're like, well, now you have to clean all of this up and then do it. And the first couple times they like keep his gas really, really low so that he won't be able to like drive away from the town. But eventually he kind of like, realizes like this is my responsibility and he like cleans up the town and he like does it the right way which takes like several days and is like hard um but anyway it was good it was good i just feel like it's kind of similar to gowan kind of like he has to you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying (laughs) i object on principle um <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad that for you know I accept that I I don't have my finger on the pulse. I'm glad that our cars watching audience uh, has has an entry point now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you are not a Green Knight person, then you are definitely a Cars person. Like, there's a lot of overlap yeah. <laughs> in the Venn diagram. Overlap there is me, but everyone can fit into one of the three sections. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um i feel our rivalry our old our old mutual hatred flaring back up this episode don't you sadie <laughs> it warms me it warms me like the fire at joel edgerton's house and before we consider the other guys aka pick between two alicia vikanders and one joel edgerton um I would like to propose a new rule that Joel Edgerton appears halfway through every movie now. Uh, Just like (laughs) whatever movie it is, whatever genre, whatever the plot, you hit the 45 minute mark, Joel Edgerton is there, baby. And he, he just introduces a new crazy element to the whole thing. The way I felt when I saw Joel Edgerton appearing in like the middle of Green Knight is how I felt when Bob Odenkirk appeared in Little Women suddenly in halfway through the movie. It It was was the the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen 
kind of <laughs> feeling. Yeah. I had no idea he was in this when I went to see it. Did you? Did you see him on the no. cast list or anything? I was trying to think yeah. because I I hadn't once I knew that it was coming out, I was like, I don't want to rewatch the preview, like the prequel. Not the prequel. What am I thinking of? Yeah, the preview, right? The trailer? The trailer. Oh trailer. So or preview. Also acceptable. An acceptable um, variant. So I didn't want to watch it. In the and UK like, though, they probably hyped. call it a, a advanced film or something. <laughs> Anyway. And so I couldn't remember if maybe he was just like in the trailer and I hadn't noticed, but I was shocked to see him appear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shall we consider some other guys? So the question, uh, all of the actresses in this movie had the same face, which was confusing because many of them were played by the same actress. So in the flash forward at the end where they take away the baby from Alicia Vikander and then he marries someone else. Uh-huh. That's not also Alicia Vikander, is it? Or is it? That that is um I believe that is the same person who played Winifred, the beheaded cottage owner. Oh, okay. So they just didn't have a lot of money to like cast uh, people and were just I giving out. Guess. It was like Tilda Swinton in the Suspiria remake. I was, try- <laughs> I was trying to think like what kind of general, I don't like, if, were they trying to go for something with that? I couldn't really tell. Like having Alicia being played by two people, that feels very deliberate to me. But also, I wasn't sure what to do with the Winifred uh, bride-to-be being played by the same actress. I didn't know if that was supposed to mean something or not. So so let's lay out all of our full romantic options. We've got Essel. We have uh, the Lady of the Manor. Does she have a name? Joel Edgerton's wife? Uh, come girl uh, I don't woman. Think so. I think she's just the lady. Hang on, I've got the IMDb pulled up. Let me check. And then we have Joel Edgerton himself. She's just the lady. Okay. Yes. Does Joel Edgerton have a name? Is he listed uh, as Edgerton's as himself? Name. I'm looking. <laughs> Who is that? Would be Lord. awesome. I'll find a Green Knight Bishop. They have this laid out in a weird. Uh, he is just the Lord in this movie. Okay. So we've got the Lord, the Lady Essel. Um, shall we count Ghost Woman? And then and then yeah. Flash forward Winifred as another romantic option. So we've got four other guys, gender neutral guys, and um, half of them are Alicia Vikander's. What? <laughs> this is unprecedented in the history of our podcast. I don't think we've ever done an uh, other guy scenario where one actor has played both other guys. Damn. And the queen definitely is not like Alicia Vikander. Unsurprisingly, super hot IRL, and they made her look like dusty as could be in the movie. Okay. Still <laughs> hey, looking at these. <laughs> don't say that about Gwen. <laughs> My namesake. Um, oh, whoa. A hot lady is the giant, also, unsurprisingly. The giant is like a person? The giant is credited as a person who is a hot lady who has hair in real life. Oh, Sick. yeah. The giant. Wait. Yeah. All right. There are actually several giants credited, but this one has a picture and she is very good looking. 
I'm looking. Okay, wait. Winifred wasn't. Winifred was the one who lost her head, right? Is the ghost lady? Yeah. Okay. But then that same actor, Sadie was saying, oh, plays she's also the high class uh, bride at got the very it, in the it, like flash forward Thor wow. warning sequence. She does have very cool hair. She has like very um, red, like tightly curled hair, but also has a widow's peak. Dear Lord. And she was born in 1998, which somehow makes me feel like more ancient than Sadie makes me feel. I mean, Sadie, who was famously born in 2003. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will put forward my other guy, and that is the lady. The lady. Not Essel, but the lady of the house. (laughs) She's got a fucking projector. Uh, She has a fucking cool-ass canopy. Uh, She gives out great handies. (laughs) (laughs) Great girdle handies. Comfortable house. Great food. If I'm Dev Patel, just kind of fuckboying my way through life, I want to post up in there for a while. And, And... and that's why that's my very simple uh, Dev Patel esque reason to pick the lady. Okay, okay, I and will look. take that now. Oh, oh I want to see what Sadie's going to say first because I think that Sadie and I might be thinking along similar Sadie. lines here. <laughs> Sadie, um, I would say I would raise you the lady and also the lord. To, in a thruple. Yes. I know that I know that I there pitched a package deal. a lot. So sue me. Yes. Like, it's obviously not a situation where they're both, like, totally dissatisfied in their own relationship. They're really just wanting to bring in a third. Because, like, the husband, he's cool with it. Where he's like, whatever my lady gives you, you give to me. It's going to be kind of a reciprocal thing. And I'm like, yes, I fuck with it. I fuck with it. I, listen, I'll even, I'll raise you again. Get Essel in there. Make it a polycule. Do it. Oh, no. <laughs> Essel, polycule. Not, Essel is too Christian to go for that. Um, yeah. You know, Sadie, my only fear there is that it would grow exhausting for young Ghislaine. That like that that the little tit for tat, whatever you do to my wife, you do to me thing would just leave him spent to the point that he, if he got a handy on a girdle, nothing would come out, you know, because he's just too busy <laughs> okay, <laughs> satisfying okay. the lady and the I Lord just over and here, over. Though that I am with Sadie here with the lady Sadie. and the Lord with Sadie and the lady <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the Lord, um, because. What else is that? That's Gowan's purpose there. Like they aren't too pressed about him going off to meet the green knight. They don't care. The Lord likes to go off and hunt in the day and like get the, you know, meat or whatever to keep him, keep him fed and give him enough calories to carry on. And the Lord obviously is not, not into it. He just wants to be involved as well. And they could just take really hot drippy pinhole pictures of each other and have like belt hand jobs while he's gone all day and then do it with him all night. And, and you know, who even knows where else that could take Gowan? Because they said they only stay there like so often. They move around. So, you know, yeah. he could travel further. He could just abandon Essel and his mother and his king and everybody else he ever knew and go into a life of being a little like sex toy boy with these people 
and their creepy older woman friend and probably have a really good time for the rest of his life. Is she blind or does she just have a bandana over her eyes? I think she I may be like uh, what blind was by deal? choice was the uh, <laughs> the implication to me there. Because if you were just blind, why would you bother to tie a bandana around your head? Maybe she had just gotten back from getting LASIK. And, uh... <laughs> Yeah. That, okay. Okay. It's been like a super long ass time since I read the poem. So Sid, I wanted to ask you who I feel like is more recently familiar with it. I imagined, and I don't know if I just completely like misinterpreted this, but from back when I read the poem, I was thinking of this as being more of like a bustling castle full of more people. Plus the the blind older yes. lady where the, but, but are like, they were the, it was eerie in this movie because they are the only people there. It's like, how is this place maintained? Who cleans this shit? Oh, well, like what is going on? <laughs> I, well, first of all, I thought that you initially meant that you thought that it was more bustling when the green knight like comes into the round table, which I I imagine oh, that mind, too. a lot more people. That was like a fucking like party. Yeah. And in this one it was yeah, kind of like they were all like having sad. a good time. Um, yeah. And then he's all like, What? Like strike me, like fight me. And the Green Knight's like, fucking no. Except he's like, fucking no, because he's like got a really bass voice because he's like 16 feet tall in a tree, like Sadie yeah. said. But yeah, it was like a parte. This was like way more somber. So I feel like the movie yeah. was making much more of a point about like this chivalric civilization and versus nature and paganism or something. Yeah. They also just had to like they this is a movie that had to reuse two actors two times. I <laughs> I have a feeling maybe they just like couldn't make the party much of a party financially speaking. Like the people who were at the party weren't partying though. Oh yeah. They were yeah. sitting there like It was like, a pretty dour. It mode. was dour. They were like, "Fuck no. I ain't giving you my sword. I'm sitting here with my own little groupies that I earned doing my own little tale." And that's it. So it kind of, it put a very dour cast on the round table in general. Yeah. Like we didn't know who any of these guys were, but they clearly all had their own little thing going on. They had their little hoes hanging out with them and their own little swords and they weren't super interested. It was, it didn't seem like a very cohesive, like party atmosphere where everybody was like, down to hang and encouraging each other and even interacting with each other. They were just sort of like, they got theirs with their own little tails and they were sitting there on their laurels. Yeah. The middle ages, they kind of sucked, huh? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too pleased either if I I were at a middle ages party. You kind of see why Gowan wanted to go over to the other side of town and like, you know, get wasted because that party sucked. God, imagine yeah. living in the Middle Ages. I get so I get I I, I love to do it to me because there's no I cotton don't... now. There's no yeah. LaCroix. There's no... I will watch like tons the, those of videos are my two top of needs. people like touring. Like this is what an Anglo-Saxon home looked like in the year 1250. And I'm like, God, God. 
it's like like you have in the space of like the size of my closet that's your house that's your house and also there's no windows there's just holes and also yeah just you have to deal with it and it's dirt floor and you have a little stool that you have to make i've thought about this before and like i just guys i don't think that i would have even be alive at 35 as i am today if i had lived in the middle ages because the best that I could have hoped for well, you have to work would glasses. be to be born. You would have been dead exactly. Long ago. I am so blind without my glasses. The, the best I could have hoped for is if I had been born to some super rich family where they like sold me off to some like creepy old man to like try to make me have a baby, and then I would have died doing that. But if I would have had to like work, well, we can't without, all be so lucky. Like vision correction. <laughs> It would not have yeah. <laughs> worked at all. Also, my hypothyroidism couldn't have been medicated. So I probably would have just died at like 21, like just out of nowhere anyway, from catching a cold. So <laughs> yeah, like Rough it sucks. I, uh, they definitely did not have the my life-saving heart surgery uh, then. So I think I would have died when I was like 21, Sniffing right on target. Yeah, Sadie still has. If Sadie is like a hard worker for some reason, maybe you're you're like making milk stools, Sadie. You're gonna live for another well, I mean, two to three years. If we count the fact <laughs> that I had my umbilical cord wrapped twice around my neck when my mom oh, was giving birth to me, oh, I damn. would not have even made it out. <laughs> nope. Into the world. Sadie, you win the Woods Die First in the Middle Ages <laughs> Olympics. We thought you had we had you beat, but Sadie was gone before she even lived. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> none of us are like really around to fuck with Gowan here. R.I.P. Sadie, you didn't get to be a baby. <laughs> you didn't get to be a baby or a lady. <laughs> You didn't even get the name Sadie. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, like what, what would be what? What would your name be if you were a middle ages person? Uh, Samantha Fur. <laughs> okay, because okay, Jennifer is like the same from the same root as like Guinevere. I feel like Winifred is a cool name though. I like the three syllable like ends in a consonant. I could I could roll with Winifred. I would go by Win for short. Not Winnie, as I also do not go by Jenny currently. What about Sadie? I, well, Sadie was originally a nickname of Sarah. So probably that, probably Sarah, but also, well, fun fact unrelated to this while I look it up. um, Did you guys know that Tiffany was originally a very popular medieval name, but then it became repopular in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, to the point where if you were to name a medieval character in a movie or TV show Tiffany, people would be like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, it sounds like naming her Jennifer. Did we talk about this recently? Because I did not know this, but I just learned this like super recently. And I feel like it was from you. Well, Very quickly, I have to say, Sadie is a Hebrew name that means princess. I always knew it to be true. You're our princess, Sadie. (laughs) Samantha is uh, is a contemporary American name that no one has had 
before Kim Cattrall on Sex in the City. Kim Cattrall originated the name Samantha. And then and that's a fact. What about the American Girl doll? Now she was hanging out before Samantha on <gasps> Sex in the City. <laughs> she was my favorite. It's just a straight line. Okay. Oh damn! Look, my my blind hypothyroid ass though is like in here, right? Okay, okay. So Jennifer is a Cornish name meaning fair one or white wave. Where did it come from? History. Gwenhwifar. <laughs> here we Gwenhwifar. go. And the old Irish. Do you? Yeah, pronounce it like Findabear. Despite the name similarity to the old English words Jennifer, Jennifer, and Jennifer, these appear to be derived from the juniper plant used to flavor the beverage. Where the fuck? Okay, so nobody called anybody Jennifer before like 1906. And then George Bernard Shaw used it for a main character in The Doctor's Dilemma. And then what? It was popular in 1934. Also, I didn't think people were into the name Jennifer before the 60s. But no, it was like super. Yeah, it it it. Have you guys ever watched that map of the most popular names that Jezebel put out? Like like Jezebel.com put out like 10 years ago or something? Oh, yes. It was really fascinating because <laughs> it showed all of the states like and there is a point like in the early 80s where the entire country is just overtaken by Jennifer. This <laughs> is like it. And now there are no children named Jennifer because we we rose, we, we yeah. became too many. And now we, we had to be cut down. <laughs> we are too few. <laughs> I mean, jokes on them though, because they won't have a habitable planet. So, you know, you oh. just, uh, you and <laughs> oh, the rest damn. of the Jennifers... <laughs> Got to ride the last little wave we had <laughs> as a little blue marble. And then they won't have the glory of your name or the dignity of a, a surface that they can exist on. They'll all like, gonna, so, they're going to be named Olive so and LOL. they'll be like running around on the blasted planet. <laughs> actually, that's super funny to think about. I mean, and, you know, not funny, actually super tragic, but thinking about all the children who there was like the wave of like what we consider old school names, like, like Olive and Myrtle and whatever. And that's going to be the names of these poor people having to run around and like fight to the death and like the blasted wastelands of the next two decades. (laughs) (sighs) Well, friends, I mean, it's fitting that they all will have weird names by then because it sort of feels like there shouldn't be Jennifer's in like water world, you know? That everyone should be named Spike or Willow or uh, Obsidian or something. Um, <laughs> do we have more to say about the Green Knight? Should we rate this mother? I my only other guy option is the giant, who I would put as second to the lady. The, the giant, lady giant was, is my second. The fox was a good companion. You wouldn't have much of a sexual relationship there, but like the fox was really with him through thick and thin. They could have like a platonic, you know, whatever deal. Platonic other guy. (laughs) Platonic life partner. Talking fox. (laughs) Do you hear me? A queer platonic relationship. (laughs) I like Essel. What's your beef, bro? Yeah, Samantha. 
I was being like performatively insulting to her because the movie just like uh, like destroys her over sure. and over and over again. Sure, wow. sure. I was. I'm a little bummed out because I was excited was to hear ironic, Sadie. <laughs> I was excited to hear Sadie. Samantha's explanation about why she hates Essel. <laughs> so what? I am not sure I'll ever say Sadie's name normally again. I. <laughs> I made a face in the window and it got stuck. Hi, my name is Sadie. I'm a lady. (laughs) Okay, so wait, I kept interrupting Sadie Summer to talk about my favorite scenes. Samantha, what was your favorite scene of this movie? Uh, I kind of liked the scene of him walking across the battlefield and the guy who Sadie described, Sadie described as a, like a little shit is just like, (laughs) Hey, like, uh, I'll tell you the way, like, and then he just like gives him a coin or something like that. I sort of liked that as kind of like the film's nut graph to borrow a disgusting journalism term (laughs) of like, you get, you get all the themes of it right there. You know, he's going on the quest. He's kind of a rich, like, fuckboy asshole. And he's going to get in- himself into a lot of trouble by not, one, being smarter, or two, being more benevolent. Yeah. What about what about our lady Sadie? Oh, I really enjoyed um, the whole, like, what are thinking, St. Winifred the beheaded lady. I really enjoyed that. And I also loved the scenes where he was traversing through um, with just the fox and like meeting the giant, kind of like the more gritty parts of it. Um, And yeah, I also too enjoyed kind of that lengthy conversation that he had with the deeply unsettling um, actor that has haunted my nightmares uh, for years. (laughs) So also, none can of us I just are gonna say really quickly, that guy speaking as the of other heroes' guy. journeys, it is thunderstorming outside monstrously. And I also live like I can clearly see my like I live across the street from a high school and I can very clearly see like the field, the arena, whatever. And there are many children doing like track and field drills right now and i'm like let them in let them in it is thunderstorming terribly that feels dangerous it's so horrifying to me why don't you go out in it and 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 backcountry camp in it while going on a mythic quest with harriet as the fox harriet godzilla collins oh did we lose jen do you hear jen sadie oh can you hear hear me Hello. Uh-oh. I'm She's still graying. making noises on Uh-oh. the. Stay oh, with bad. us, Jen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, now Samantha's gone. Oh, I see. She's oh graying. no. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Now CGI oh, Fox calls it again. Back, back, back. Once she gets okay. back on. Can you hear me? Hey, we're gonna we're gonna save this and then we're gonna make a five minute recording where we rate and wrap up because you're graying back and forth. Sounds good. All right, friends, I will rate the Green Knight. Um, I I want to take the girdle so bad, but it feels like the obvious Samantha, choice. you deserve it. You're so into the cum girdle. Take it. Do it. I'll take it away. It five, five out of five juicy, squishy little girdles. <laughs> uh, 
really striking movie that stuck with me. And maybe I just imprinted on it hard because it was my first true movie theater experience uh, post slash, I guess now mid COVID. Um, but uh, uh, I really liked it. I Fair. will Fair and give worthy. It, you know, I'll I do say. it. I'll give it five cum shots out of five. <laughs> I had to do it. Um, <laughs> it was so good. I would have liked it to have been a little bit more bright than it was, but also I understand that it is an A24 movie and they're all kind of like that. Um, but I loved it. I feel like it really matched the vibe of Arthurian legends that like reality mixed with otherworldliness mixed with you're not really sure what's happening in some places because that's very true of the movie and kind of this like toying with mortality versus immortality, Christianity versus pagan, the, you know, the past previous way of doing things where everything was very mythical as opposed to kind of the harsh realities of like the post-Christian world. Um, just very good. Loved it. Death Patel, fantastic in it. Wonderful. Everyone did such a good job. Loved it. Okay. Let me first shout out once again the hotness of Dev Patel's mother in this movie. God, she is hot. She's amazing. She was a flawless Morgan Le Fay who went unnamed in this movie. I, uh, like I said in my reaction segment, I didn't, it was a, it was my first movie back in theaters since Birds of Prey, right before the pandemic slammed us all, even though we are not out of it and may never be again for the rest of our days until little little the olives of the world have to be fighting it out in the blasted desert um, caused by climate change in 25 more years. But this was a great movie. And so I rate it one ghostly saint skull at the bottom of a pond plus four giants who... Uh, you know, could squash you just stomping right on by and not giving a fuck about your tiny little ass and your fox friend at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a total of five, because this movie really does not care about you. It is doing its own thing, but I would rate it a five of five for that pinhole camera scene alone. And that's where we stand. Chen, what, uh, what, trials and tribulations should people subject <laughs> our podcast to so that we <laughs> learn lessons about mortality, heroism, Bless. and knighthood. Oh, Samantha, I love you framing oh, no. this. Jen, as, um, you're starting us- to gray out again. Do you want me to do oh, the no. outro just in case? Uh, Samantha, I cede the floor to you in case I get cut off in the middle of my spiel that I was just about to begin. I want to hear how you will uh, phrase this. Carry on. Uh, You should subject us to the cruel indignity of a five-star review on (laughs) Apple Podcasts (laughs) or other podcast rating platforms. You should, uh, whatever, if you've listened to this podcast, you now have to go make someone else listen to it, just like Joel Edgerton and Alicia Vikander's tit-for-tat sexual relationship so you're now honor bound to go play the podcast for someone else 
so that our listener listenership continues to grow. Listeners, Uh, you bring us more. Sadie hate mail at (laughs) YSSTOG podcast at gmail.com. It's an address we use only for people to say how much they personally despise Sadie on an individual level. Um, And uh, you do something else too. Follow us on Twitter at YSSTOG and you can financially support our humble little uh, podcast operation on patreon.com slash Y-S-S-T-O-G, or as we've been banned from calling it, Yeast Hog, baby. Samantha, you give oh, me yeah. back. You cut off for me right at that instant. That probably means I am grayed out and you can't hear me, but Zencaster just perfectly censored that for me. No thanks to our <laughs> beloved patron, Zena Lon, for the uh, fully pronounced acronym we do not recognize here on this podcast. <laughs> and Sadie, speaking of our patrons, I'm told you have some thanks to dole out to uh, our own so. night's table. Ahem, ahem. Our lovely, wonderful knights. Logan, Logan Mannies, Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, and Liz. We love you all so much. Thank you for going on endless quests for us, battling giant green knights, getting your heads cut off. We love you all so much. God. Farewell. We truly do. 